Hello. Welcome to the Creative Writing Life podcast. I'm Justin Sloan. And I'm Paul Zeidman. And let's say hi to our special guest uh, today, Mr. Jonathan Fesmeyer. Jonathan, how are you? Hi, you pronounced my last name right. That's awesome. Uh, I'm great. Yeah, I'm doing I'm doing really well, getting a lot done and, uh, you know, staying busy. Right, so has it been a productive uh, COVID uh, home lockdown time for you? Yeah, it's it's been crazy. But yeah, I've used the time to uh, sort of get some of my, I don't know, some, some of my creative procedures down, you know, and, and more efficient and, and whatnot. Um, got the first draft of my latest book done. So I'm, I, I'm on the, uh, I'm, I'm just starting commissions on that now. Wow, that's um, great. Yeah, it's been good. Uh, so, uh, Jonathan, you said you do you have listened to a couple of previous episodes of the show, so you know that this is the segment where uh, we all talk about like kind of what we've been oh, up to, what we've been yeah. taking in in terms of uh, either watching something or reading something. And so, since I brought it up, I'll go first. Uh, so, okay. <laughs> as long time and short time listeners of the show know, uh, the big thing for me is that uh, my wife and I have been working our way through our Netflix queue, all the stuff that's been sitting there for years. And so uh, this one was actually kind of a spur of the moment edition because we'd watched um, a couple of weeks ago, we watched a double feature from uh, producer Val Luton. And that was back in the 40s and the early 50s. And so inspired by that, uh, we put in like the one that really put him on the map. And that was 1942's Cat People and a very early version of a film noir. It's almost a combination of horror and thriller. And it was really good. It's only like an hour and 10, hour 15 long. But you know, it's a little slow in parts, as some movies of that era were. But for the most part, it looked fantastic. Just the way they use light and shadow and suspense. And, and just it's really great camera work. And if you haven't seen it, I just highly recommend it, especially if you're a big fan of you know that kind of genre. Nice. Um, I'll go next. Uh, I watched, so my wife and I watched an older show recently that's on Netflix called Episodes. Have you guys seen this? I've, I've uh, watched it as it was coming out. I love Episodes. Oh, it's a, nice. Ricky Gervais. I'm glad to know it was on, it's on Netflix. I didn't know that. That's a brilliant show. Yeah. I don't know. I Is it Ricky Matt, Gervais? Matt, um, Oh, Joey. Matt LeBlanc. Yeah, Matt LeBlanc. Yeah, I love him as him as a bizarro version of himself. It's, it's great. It's so amazing. Yeah, so basically the show, for people who don't know, is uh, two British people have a hit TV show over there, and they bring it over here, um, and Matt LeBlanc stars in it, much to their chagrin, and it's it's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> my wife and I like binged the whole thing in like a week or two, maybe, uh, which is, I think, five seasons, so that's pretty say telling uh, of its quality <laughs> yeah, that's really we loved good. it you know yeah, you said so. you said episodes and i immediately for some reason i immediately went to extras uh, which is the ricky oh, gervais yes. show that's why i was like wait wait the one you're describing ricky gervais ricky gervais isn't in that he's in yeah. extras so you know both are you know very what inside baseball about hollywood and behind the scenes type of stuff but just two very different things but the uh, connection okay. that's true that's true that's true <laughs> And uh, what about you, Jonathan? Have you uh, been watching anything or anything oh, you've been God. reading I've, lately? I've binged several things. Uh, the Santa Clarita Diet was hilarious. It was Is that so the good. One? Huh? What's that it's one about? not cannibal. It really, I mean, yeah, it, it, yes, but it's it's really she's a zombie. Oh, okay. So and and she has to eat people. So it's one of those kind of things. Um, it is really funny. Uh, Timothy Oliphant is awesome in it everybody's really good in it. it it's really good um it's very funny and i and i'm 
I'm bummed that apparently there's not going to be a fourth season. So, um, maybe because too many people thought it was about cannibalism. <laughs> maybe, maybe they didn't. They didn't understand exactly what it was about. Yeah. I mean, there is that element that she's eating people. She's a zombie, right, and right. so there is that. But it's, um, but it's because she she has to, and it's the kind of thing where it's like, okay, well, we're gonna like seek out. We're gonna try to find like really bad people. So they like uh-huh. at one point. At one point, she considers like a group of neo Nazis like her personal like uh, lobster tank. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, that's pretty funny. Um, you know, oh, totally unrelated to that. I was just looking through your. Uh, I guess this is my transition to talking about you. <laughs> okay. Exactly. So I was looking through your uh, Amazon profile, and I see that one of your top also bots is Fred Van Lente, who's a comic book artist who, all, or sorry, writer who also worked with me at Telltale on some video games. Oh, that's um, cool. So I'm wondering, do you do you know why he shows up as one of your also bots? Have you ever I, interacted with I him? I don't know. I don't actually know anything about him. That is so cool. Yeah, <laughs> just totally random. But uh, yeah, so yeah. tell us about yourself. You're an author. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I've always loved, you know, reading since I was a kid, kind of, you know, would rather read than, you know, play with other kids often, you know, um, uh, and I'm always into science fiction and fantasy, but um, in the last, well, it, when, um, let's see, in the late, in the mid, early 90s, okay, I, I discovered Stephen King's The Dark Tower and and uh and the sequel the drawing of the three so i was reading those before the third book came out the the dark tower sequel series so i was one of the people who was waiting a long waited a long time for new books to come out um so currently i write like um i write steampunk western with with my own brand of zombies um and um I, the point of the, the Dark Tower thing is that that's what got me to, like, really have a love for Western-based science fiction. Okay, cool. Yeah, so Bodacious Creed wouldn't isn't really exactly like the Dark Tower. It's it's, it's own, totally its own thing. Um, but it's kind of in that Western sci-fi genre, and um, that's something I... So it wouldn't have existed if, it, if I hadn't discovered my love for that from, from the Dark Tower. So. Okay. Cool. And Paul, how did you come across him? Do you remember? You know, that's a really good because I was going through uh, my emails because I do subscribe to Jonathan's uh, newsletter, ah. and I was and it, actually it started like just over a year ago. So I'm going to guess because you know I've written a Western screenplay and I've awesome. posted posted about it on Twitter and social media, uh-huh. and I'm guessing that maybe the hashtag Western may have popped up, and so. Maybe your books uh, probably also had that as well. So it kind of like said, hey, yeah. you know, you this pops yeah. up. And, you know, I also happen to really like steampunk stuff and I like zombie stuff. And so it was just, you know, started as like, oh, my gosh, look at this, a, a steampunk zombie Western book. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so I've just been getting the newsletters and following along. And I just yeah. I just think That's it's amazing. I, th- I think it's great that, you know, Okay, I'm going to admit that's not really a genre a lot of people are expecting. So that for someone yeah. who's been able to be so productive about it and been able to uh, have some really good, uh, you know, results from it, I think that's just a great story and it's a great inspiration. And I was also, oh, thank you. You know, let, 
Oh, my pleasure. And like Justin, I was going through your site and, and this, and I also mentioned this to Justin because he's almost in the same boat that you were able, now, if I'm re, if I was reading this correctly, you were able to get the first Bodacious Creed book uh, going through crowdfunding. Yeah, I, the, it's kind of, I'm gonna try, I'll, I'll try to keep the story sh short. This is, it's, and it's gotten shorter over the years. <laughs> so it actually started as, um, I have a master's in animation and visual effects. It's not what I'm doing with my life, but I did study it. And one of the things, uh, you know, for, for our final projects or our, our thesis projects, um, we needed to come up with sort of a, um, our own, you know, like story kind of a thing as a, as a theme for the, for the demo reels, right? So Bodacious Creed is what I came up with. I came up with this, you know, like I wanted to do like a steampunk Western thing. And then I pushed it a little bit more to where um, the main character, the zombie aspect comes from, he dies, he's, he's resurrected with steampunk or steam era technology. And so he's a sort of zombie. Uh, and um, and as I was working on it, you know, I came up with the name of some of the characters and stuff. And I thought this, I think this would make a great novel too. Because I had been a writer before. It just, I was doing the art thing at that point. And so that's that's how I came up with, uh, with all those ideas. And then I was, and then a few years later, I decided, you know, I want to go ahead and write this novel, but I want to kind of gauge interest on it. And so I ran the Kickstarter to, to do that. And, and it allowed me to get people to uh, have a chance to kind of participate in it. Like one of the main characters, um, well, one of the supporting characters is uh, based entirely on a real person who wanted to be in the book. Okay. Really so, cool. Do you, do you have yeah. any big uh, takeaways from that for other people who are considering doing that same route? Um, Crowdfunding. Tough one. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what to right yeah, now. give for the takeaway. Yeah, I'm not sure what to give for a takeaway. But but you but, were um, success, right? So but it was uh, it was successful. It wasn't like a huge, it but it did get its funding. It got about about two thousand four hundred bucks or something. Yeah, which yeah. is great because I for me I don't know how much you usually advise people spend on a book, but I I'd say with editing, um, marketing, and cover I usually end up spending around two thousand bucks. So if you can yeah. raise about that on a crowdsource. Then that's awesome because you're already everything after that is just positive. It puts you a bit ahead, yeah, yeah. And of course, you got to send everybody their books and stuff that they got. Um, but it, you know, one one neat thing about it is it allows you to do some kind of unique things. If you know, if you're confident that you can write, that you have like the basics for a story, or maybe you have a really good background, you know, and everything, but you don't have the story completely figured out yet. Um, and you're confident that you can fit characters into it, or even make them critical to the story, you can allow people to come up with characters for it. And so you can get more audience participation. Um, you can also, you know, do, you know, unique rewards and stuff like uh, for for this one, there, there are 25 um, hardcover ed copy editions of, of Bodacious Creed, a steampunk zombie western in existence. And those okay. people who donated at a high enough, back to the high enough level, yeah, to get a, a, a yeah, to a limited edition hardcover. So, yeah, um, so those are some of the kind of things you can do if you crowdfund it. Uh, I do have a question about it as well. So, when you were initially, I guess, setting up the campaign, 
so like what did you present what was like what was your was it a sample did you have like a, a page or two of writing or did you just kind of like this is the story i mean because i'm looking at the uh, the website and you're like here the visit the world of bodacious creed and so it's like is that what you put on the thing like the whole you know the summary of the story in a couple of paragraphs i mean what was your I, approach to it i god i just actually talked about kind of how i came up with the idea and how the characters were really vivid in my mind and that I'd written books before. So I knew that, you know, it's like, I'm going to get this book done and you're going to get your book. Um, but this is a way that you can, you know, people can get a little bit of participation in it and stuff. Um, so like I had some of the basics of the story. I had the beginning. And so, yeah, I talked about sort of the basis more than the full story itself. If that makes okay. sense. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very much yeah. so. Um, the whole thing, too, the whole, um, th there's something for me about this world and these characters that it just has come to life for me more than any, the, like, fantasy I was writing before. Um, everything seemed, you know, and, I, and I'm, I, uh, so one thing I'm doing that kind of helps with that is I've got a series Bible on World Anvil. I don't know if you're familiar with World Anvil. I'm not. Uh, not. I am not. If you're not, you should check it out. It's worldanvil.com. The people who run it are awesome people, and they really know what they're doing. And it's a site where you can create. It's 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 a site to create worlds for uh, fiction and gaming. Hmm, okay. And it's very robust, so I can put my characters on there and portraits of them. It has all kinds of fields, you know, for. For various things and different types of forms, so you can have locations, characters. You can say where characters are. All, all you can have their relationships, family trees, maps, timelines. It's it's really cool. Hmm, very interesting. I, yeah, I on my did... website there's a link to it. If you go to the Creedverse page, uh -huh. there's the the links there go to my World Anvil site, and there's some information that's public but most of it is is private <laughs> so you can get an idea of the world but most of it is you know it's there for me to keep everything straight in my writing mm -hmm. i actually i did so i did have a question so you know reading over the material that you're not in northern california you're in southern california yes but you know but uh, the first bodacious creed book you it says that takes place in santa cruz which that's uh, where yeah, i'm from. I, I'm okay, it's where you're from. Okay, that makes a lot more sense because I'm in yeah. San Francisco, and then you know the ne I believe it's the next book is in San Francisco. It's in San Francisco. Yeah, that's ah. the first and the first draft of that Bodacious Creed in the Jade Lake is already done. I'm doing the edi editing on it now. Okay. And that he goes to San Francisco in that one, and I did a lot of research for that. And San Francisco at that time was nuts, so it's it's been a lot of fun. So it sounds sounds like that's like the Barbary Coast days. Yeah, Barbary Coast. Uh, this the first. The next book will probably involve the Barbary Coast more. Um, this one involves Chinatown more, even though, I mean, Chinatown and Barbary Coast are really close geographically. Mm -hmm. So um, this one involves, yeah. And I have um, one thing that's, I, I did a bunch of research on that too. And I, I have a friend who's Chinese. She's actually from China. So I'm uh, she's helping me with cultural things and stuff. When I've got a question, I ask her and she's been very helpful. Yeah. So what was it that, you know, 
made you want to set the stories in that region rather than like just, you know, the generic, you know, the Western territories or, you know, Nevada territory or Montana I'm, territory or the Dakotas. That's what I'm from Santa Cruz. So I wanted to set it there. You know? <laughs> and it's a, it's a very fictionalized version of Santa Cruz. But the fun thing about it is I do use some things from history. Um, but I also made it in a lot of ways like modern Santa Cruz, if you took Santa Cruz and like did a magic spell or something and, and poof, it's suddenly a Western, you know, town. Okay. So, you know, so, um, so it's kind of an, an, an homage to my hometown, you know? Um, and a lot of people like that because, you know, you don't get a lot of, uh, Westerns that take place near the beach. Yeah, that's true. That's you true. know, and, and so it, it gives, you know, it's a, and you know, yeah, it gives a bit different, uh, a bit of a different cultural feel to it while still being a Western. And did you have people, I guess, readers from Santa Cruz or that area say, "Hey, you know, I, I know this place or that I recognize I, that name"? Weirdly enough, I haven't. Oh, <laughs> <weird>. interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, you know, um, I would like that I, someday. Maybe that'll happen. Um, the Museum of Art and History in Santa Cruz does have a hard. They, they have one of the hardcovers. Mm-hmm. So I said they they asked me uh, about getting a copy and stuff, and I sent them a signed hardcover. Oh, that's great. Um, that's yeah, great. so that was neat. Um, well, maybe you can do a public reading at like a bookstore in Santa Cruz when the time yeah, comes. Yeah, I'd you love know. to do it. You know, head up there and, and do a reading at Bookshop Santa Cruz or something. So, like the Pacific Garden Mall. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, that stretch of the downtown in Santa Cruz, but um, a bunch of stuff is set there in that area. Um, there's a mansion that is set around where Harvey West Park is. Um, various things happen in the Beach Flats area, which in my book is Rick Hall Railroad Flats. Uh, the I don't know if you're familiar at all with the the, uh, the Cooper House in Santa Cruz from decades ago. No, uh, not. It was it was destroyed. the 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 most recent Cooper House was destroyed in the '89 earthquake. But um, the Cooper brothers were big uh, kind of figures there. These they they ran a mercantile and and one of them there these two guys and, and one of them uh, was the first mayor of Santa Cruz. So the, both of those characters they, they, they are two fictionalized versions of, of them are in the book as well. Um, so I tried to get in some historical stuff like that. And to, to, I'd want it to appeal to people in Santa Cruz, but I just haven't heard from a lot of them. So <laughs> it's kind of funny. Well, maybe this will help get the word out for you. I hope so. <laughs> Great. <laughs> All right. Well, and one of the other things I wanted to ask you about it, because I've noticed this in some of the more recent newsletters, is that you are talking about, I'm, I'm trying to think the right way to phrase this, is that you're like studying uh and it's not how to be a writer, but you, you've been taking courses, and I, I don't have no idea how to pronounce this gentleman's name. Russell, is it Noelty? Noelty? I think it's. I, you know what? I never asked him. Oh, okay. I okay. think it's Nolte, but that's how I okay. pronounce it. But I don't know. Yeah, Russell's a cool dude. Um, so I'm. I met him uh, in January at the Pas- Pasadena Comic Con, and uh, saw that he had a book called How to Become a Successful Author. Um, and my, the toughest thing for me has always been, you know, marketing. I think that's true for a lot of authors. 
And so I picked that book up and talked to him, and then I learned about um, you know a group he had on Facebook. So I went on there, and it's like, oh my gosh, this is people who really. I, I started reading actually that book, and I went, oh my gosh, he really knows his stuff. So he and then he was offering a free novel writing class, and I'm like, I, well, I can always learn something new. And although I I you know can write a novel, and I'd written novels before. Um, the class had just like these things I hadn't thought of that have helped me to speed things up, hmm. you know, to like really speed up my process. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is the kind of stuff I've been needing. Um, so that's that's been great. So I, I do recommend that class, of, that course of his, and I, I wrote about it in my blog on my website too. Um, it's called Write a Write a Great Novel. Is that what it's called? Um, and then he's got another course that I that I ended up paying for because I know how good of a um, he is at, at marketing um, called uh, Build a Rabbit Fan Base. And for me, the well, both in both classes, the information is pretty dense. But since I you know been writing, you know, for years and years, it was pretty easy to absorb the novel stuff. It's a little harder to absorb the marketing stuff, but I'm learning it. <laughs> so. And that's that's a really good course too on just building up your fan base and kind of finding your tribe and, and things like that. So we, you don't have to divulge too many details so as to not take away from you know Russell <laughs> Russell's yeah, yeah. product. So like, what are some of the things like maybe that really changed for you that like I was doing it this way and then I read Russell, Russell's stuff and now like I've tried it this different way and the results have been so much better. Okay, well, let's go to, to novel writing. Um, one of the things in there that really helped is using a beat sheet, which is something I'd never done before. Hmm. So, did you, uh, do you know what a beat sheet is? I do, I do. Okay. So, um, and also realizing that it gives you a structure, but it also gives you a lot of freedom. Um, and so just like saying, okay, these are the major beats of the story. This is the major arc of the story. Here's the major events that, uh, that I want to have happen. And then, so, so it's, it's kind of, using that as kind of a blend between uh, plotting and pantsing in the sense that you have, the, you plan out the, you don't outline every detail. You go, okay, these are the major things that I, I want to happen in the story that that show the character's growth and here's a, the, where the big twist is, things like that. And then you kind of fill in, figure out what happens between those to get from one to the next. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's and, something great. Oh, sure, yeah. go ahead, please. Yeah, and that's worked, it's, that's, that worked really well for, for this book, for the current okay. one. I got, it done in, I got it done in about six months, but honestly, the next one I'll probably get done in about three. On the oh, first draft. yeah, that's great. That's right. Yeah, there is something similar because uh, you know Justin's really the he's he does scripts and books. Mine is primarily scripts, and you know I do something similar when I create the outline for a script. Is that we have uh, the plot points, you know, like the inciting incident, and then you know yes. the end of the first act. And I always come up with those first, and then I start filling in the blanks between them, trying to figure that's out okay, what's the best way I can get from you know. Here's the inciting incident, like page 10, page 12. How do I get from there to that you know, little twist around 17 or 18 and from there to the end of the first act and so on and so on? Yeah, that's exactly the same thing. It's, yeah. Yeah, and I just hadn't done that before. I would just kind of would kind of uh, have an overall idea of kind of what I want the story to be about. 
and I would figure it out as I went along, but I didn't have those definite um, destinations. And now that I do, it's made a huge difference. So it's really streamlined your process for you then? It's streamlined it, yeah, considerably. Um, he also talks about a lot about, he talks, he covers a lot in there, characterization, which I've, you know, wasn't, which I, I think I'm good at characterization already, but but he kind of helped to um, kind of de define how to create different relationships between characters. And then, um, oh, what else? Yeah, there were there were a lot of you know a lot of little things areas that I I knew pretty well already, but but you know then he'd have like little details that can you know kind of help me take things to another level. So, you know, that's always okay. good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I have one more question. This is really about the uh, the building a rabid fan base. You said that's really more marketing based. That's more of a, a marketing thing, and it's for, um, it's not just for writers. It is for writers, but it's it's for creatives basically. Hmm. Okay. So okay. when I build fan base, so you know, comic book artists, uh, you know, whatever, publishers, even. Uh huh. And have have you been able to uh, like implement some of those practices yeah, or anything? Yeah, he's helped with it's helped with my autoresponder stuff. Um, uh, getting my my uh, email list. Um, oh gosh, what else? Those are the main things. It's all oh, kind of finding a, a like customer avatar, and it's like what who 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 are the kind of people who read my books anyway? You know, or who do I think who am I kind of marketing to? And the idea, that idea of having, of boiling it down to an imagined individual who you write to, hmm. you know, when you write emails and and, and books and whatnot. So um, those are some of the things. There's a lot more in there, but those are some of the basics. Well, that's, I think that's really cool because you really don't hear a writer talking about, you know, it's usually about, you know, this is where I was and this is where I am now and this is what I kind of have planned for the future. You don't usually hear about a writer talking about their continuing education as a writer. And I think it, it's really great that you're able to, you know, put it into your own words and then get it out there and say, like, you know, I was, you know, here's where I was before and I've taken this course and, you know, I've studied these things and now, you know, now my, you know, my, the results have been this good. And I, I, I think that's really commendable because you don't, oh, a you. lot of, a lot of writers are not really going to talk about, you know, I was, I wasn't as good as I am now. Yeah. Well, and I want to, I always want to help other people too. You know, I want to help other people have an easier journey, you know. I actually, um, um, I, I don't know how long it'll take for me to do it, but one thing you've probably seen in my newsletters, too, is uh, um, how I've been working on, uh, I have these techniques I've kind of developed to create realistic character portraits. Um, I did go to art school, but I'm not that great at drawing people, <laughs> you know. But now I have a way to, like, create these character portraits and to, like, really cast my characters and get, kind of get a visual of them um, and use that on my serious Bible and things like that. And then I um, I even figured out how to, like, make uh, the faces in... So I, I sometimes use... Uh, well, do I've done in the past, I've done, like, a character in Poser, right? Um, and I figured out a way to make their faces look a lot better because, you know, it looks... Usually those 3D faces look very posery, you know. Um, 
and I figured out a technique to make them still look kind of painted because I'll do a painting kind of a thing with them, but look much better. So I'm actually planning on creating a teachable course on how to do that kind of thing. That is really cool. Yeah, yeah. We are coming up toward the end of our time, uh, but I wanted to chat with you uh, about the genre specifically, like steampunk and zombies. Uh, you know, they have their ups and downs. How, yeah. how do you feel about them as far as just a genre? If people are considering, hey, I love Impact, or I love zombies. Uh, any recommendations there or, or hurdles you faced or anything like that? So, well, what, what put it together for, for me to have those three, uh, I guess, let, let, me, let me go at it this way. So we're talking about, it sounds like it's three separate genres that I somehow mushed together, and that's kind of true. But it's actually very organic. So it's a Western, right? And uh, and a steampunk. Well, you, you typically kind of think of steampunk as Victorian England and whatnot, right? But that was the same time period as, as the Wild West. Um, so it makes sense that there would be steampunk stuff there, too. And that's not a new idea. You've got, you know, the show and the movie Wild Wild West. And, and there's other Western steampunk out there. Um, but... You know, it's just, well, I kind of prefer that era, area and, and that, you know, era of American history, you know, with the steampunk stuff. Um, and then with the zombies, that came from the main character being killed and resurrected with steam era technology. So he's sort of like a zombie. Um, but then there are, there are other people. Who, and so he's he's um, he's intelligent here and he grows as a character through the story. He kind of starts off with like a lot of memories gone and stuff and he starts remembering things and coming more to himself but there are other characters who um get resurrected by other people who don't know what they're doing so well and those zombies are more zombie-like mm -hmm. and like craving human flesh and being kind of psychopathic and stuff um so there is kind of an element of the romero zombie in there um with, with some of the other characters but it, but it's not, you know, they don't come about from a virus. They come about from being resurrected. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you uh, have 97 or so reviews, so it seems like it's done fairly well. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's like nine, about that many on, on Amazon. Amazon, yeah. and then there's more on uh, Audible and some on Goodreads. So, yeah, it's done, yeah. Yeah, and, mo and mostly five-star reviews, you know. Uh, yeah. I think it's at about 4.6. Pretty cool, pretty cool. Have any of these books or stories ever done like an invasion of England to America with like steampunk versus regular cowboys? That'd be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool. I <laughs> That's not something I'm aware of. That would be cool. I'd be interested in reading yeah. something like that. Yeah. Because uh, like, you're mentioning how it's the same time period. It's like, oh, that's interesting. If they're like, well, guess what, bitches? We're taking it back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Like, yeah, we're taking it. That would be interesting. That's an yeah. interesting premise. Anyway, somebody go write it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, anything else you wanted to add for our listeners? Any last bits of advice or words of wisdom? Um, yeah, if you're, if you're, whatever creative thing you do, uh, keep learning. You know, there's always something new to learn and keep, keep working at it. You know, if, if it's something you are passionate about, you know, keep getting better. I mean, I'm, I'm 51 and now I finally know how to write a book in three to six <laughs> months instead of four years. You know, yeah. it's been a while to get there though. You know, and don't and learn from other people because um, it's it can be hard to figure some things out yourself. You just have blind spots, and and you know, 
so you kind of try to figure out how do I do this, how do I do this, and um, you know just do do the best at what you do and 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 learn from other people and and uh, sometimes you know it's just a matter of getting getting the right information from the right person, and uh, it can really speed things up. Yeah. You know what we forgot to talk about was uh, Disneyland. So we'll have to have you okay. come back on when it opens up again or something. We'll have like a, a Disney discussion. Me and you, we'll go together and uh, we'll, we'll, okay. we'll do a podcast from Disneyland maybe or something. Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a lot yeah, easier for the two like of you too. to go. It's a lot easier for the two of you to go because you're both already down there in that area. Yeah. yeah. Mine, mine requires a plane ride or a really long drive. Yeah. yeah. For people who are wondering what we're talking about, uh, Jonathan lives right next to Disneyland. I'm kind of a Disney file is that a word uh yes that was cool there we go so and i live i live about a 40 40 minute drive sometimes you know depending on traffic and all that so not so bad that's not too bad it's like five minutes for us because we live a mile away so i tried to convince my wife where you are but i i love living so close we when disneyland is open and you know it's not now because of because of covid19 um but when it is open and they've got the fireworks going, uh, right out of our apartment, uh, the, the uh, walkway right outside our front door of our apartment, because we live on the second floor, we have a perfect view of fireworks. Uh, wow. That could be amazing, unless it's loud and obnoxious. It's uh, really cool. No, they're not too loud from where <laughs> okay, we are. Good. You know, you yeah, hear them, but they're not too loud. I know really close to the park, it's, it's really loud. Yeah. We're a mile away, and it's fine, and it's a uh, great view, and yeah. Yeah, we had that yeah. in a uh, boot camp because I went to boot camp in San Diego for the Marines, and uh, you have the huh. Sea World fireworks going off every night, and uh-huh. it's just like, hey, guess what? There's freedom out there. Some people are living normal lives. <laughs> you get to watch the fireworks at least, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, and I guess you join up to fight for people's freedom, so it kind of is a yeah. There you go, and we appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. there's not much. Fr- yeah, not, not a lot of freedom going on right now cool. due to COVID, but. Yeah, different kind yeah. of things. That's okay, everybody. Still still mask up and socially distance. Be careful. You know, yeah, do that. And all the ash going on right now. Um, hey, quickly, where can people find you, your books, your website, what have you? Okay, so my website is uh, jonathanfestmeyer.com, and I'm sure you guys will have the spelling of my name on there. So yeah. uh, jonathanfestmeyer.com my, um, is my site. My blog's on there. There's a link to my uh, World Anvil uh, series Bible. If anybody's curious, check that out. Um, and there are links. I have several books out, but my main one is Bodacious Green. And there are links to the different places you can get them. I recently went wide on it. So there are links on there for Amazon, um, Barnes & Noble, um, and a, a bunch of others, Apple Books. And, um, I'm also uh, at Jonathan Festmeyer on Twitter. And on Facebook, you can follow me at facebook.com slash John Festmeyer. That's J-O-N-F-E-S-M-I-R-E. Awesome. Well, cool. Thank you so much. And you can always follow me on Amazon, too. So my own page. And sign up for my newsletter, too. I I send out um, uh, emails about once a week. And usually there's a blog post associated, sometimes not, depending on how busy I am with other writing projects. Um, but I like to make sure to you know, keep up with people and kind of let them know what I'm up to and ask what they're up to. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. We'll look forward to uh, sharing this and let you know when it's live. And uh, Great. listeners, go check out the books, please. Uh, say hi. I'm sure he'll be happy to hear from you. And uh, Please leave a review for the show and tell everybody. And uh, once again, it's Creative Writing Life Podcast. I'm Justin Sloan. You can find me on uh, Twitter at Justin M. Sloan or my books on Amazon. 
All right. Thank you very much, Jonathan. It was a great conversation. Uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, and I am Paul Zeidman. You can find my screenwriting blog, MaximumZ.blog. And I'm also on Twitter at Maximum underscore Z. This has been the Creative Writing Life Podcast. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And uh, more importantly, go write something.